broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Right back out to the Raider Nation Radio guest line. I want to welcome in our very good friend, your friend and ours, Hugh Myers, who was nice enough to stop by, drop by, spend some time with us in the huddle. Q, how are you doing? I am good, man. How's everything going with you? Everything's good. The weather cooled down uh, today. There was a little bit of rain. Uh, there might be some more rain coming, so not a bad day when you can get a little bit of relief from uh, the heat. But as I understand it, just looking around oh, you could have. throughout the country, it's like hot everywhere. What's where? where what's the temperature uh, in your neck of the woods? Bro, right now? Lost. Look, looks like we're having a little bit of technical uh, difficulty with uh, Q Myers. Uh, when he gets back on, uh, we will uh, resume uh, that interview. Q right yeah, now. In and out. Q right now is in uh, Texas, and I'm sure knowing Texas this time of year, he's probably dealing with some heat as well. Uh, but when we get Q back on, um, get that all fixed. Uh, looking forward to uh, to talking uh, to Q and uh, getting his thoughts on seven win prediction for the Raiders. There's no way, right? Am I wrong to think that, guys? Am I wrong to assume that the Raiders are not going to be worse than they were last year? That they're going to be better than they were last year? I get it. It's a difficult schedule. It looks like we're uh, still having some issues uh, with the connection between Las Vegas and uh, and, and and Texas. Q, uh, we're going to give you a call back if you can hear us um, and, and try to get that uh, rectified. But seven wins, guys. Come on. I get their skepticism about the Raiders. I, I, I understand that, and, and, and rightfully so. We've talked about this. The Raiders haven't proven anything to anybody, right? It's all really on paper, especially those improvements. They collapsed last year in the second half. I get it. I understand it. But that offense was a top 10 offense, statistically speaking. It was. They should have won 10 games, maybe even 11, in spite of the offensive or defensive issues. How can a team that won eight games probably should have won 11? Go out and get a unique Ngakwe and a Casey Hayward and bring in uh, a distinguished defensive coordinator uh, like like Gus Bradley. Go out and bring Trayvon Moore again. Go get Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas. Bring back their three starting linebackers who, I'm going to say it right now, are going to be better than they were last year. Corey Littleton among them. I don't get how that team is supposed to be worse this year compared to last year. Q, we got you? Yes, sir. I'm here. All right, Q. So, Q, man, um, listen, I thanks, first of all, for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, appreciate it. Q, I understand skepticism. I get it, and I understand it. And in the Raiders' case, a healthy amount of skepticism is warranted. Uh, they, unfortunately, haven't you know, lived up to expectations. They haven't delivered. They haven't won enough games. We're talking about you know, the last 10-plus years. We get it. Yeah, understand it. In that one, man. 
You, I didn't, I didn't hear any of your question. I heard you for a couple seconds. I didn't hear, I didn't hear very much. You kept cutting out. All right, we're still having some, uh, we're still having some issues with uh, uh, Q Myers. We'll try to get that fixed. Um, but uh, here's my thing. There's no reason I don't believe that the prediction should be a seven-win season for the Raiders. Now, granted, injuries can happen. We get that. We understand it. But, man, I just I, – I, this was a top-ten offense last year, and to me, it has a chance to be even better this year. I think it's going to be more efficient in the red zone. I think Henry Ruggs takes a step forward. I think Kenyon Drake is a – Really good compliment to Josh Jacobs. I think that makes that running back position kind of a two-headed monster that could do a whole bunch of different things. I think Darren Waller is one of the superstars of this NFL. I actually think he's going to be better off, and the Raiders will be better off, if he touches the ball or gets targeted 20 times less than he did last year. Statistic or you know, um, percentage wise, there's going to be a 17th game, so we have to add that uh, and factor that into it. But I think spreading the ball around and maybe even you know, uh, taking a few targets away from Darren Waller to feed Henry Ruggs, to feed Brian Edwards, to feed Kenyon Drake, uh, to feed Foster Murrow, John Brown, Willie Sneed, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake. I mean, that. That's got the makings of a really good offense and one of the premier play callers in the game in John Gruden. John Gruden understands football, understands offensive football, and has taken this Raiders offense to new levels these last couple of years, especially this past season. And I think that he saw some things in this offense, areas that they could improve in, and went out and tried to make the necessary moves to ensure that. Yes, the offensive line has something to prove. You get rid of Rodney Hudson, the starting center. You get rid of Gabe Jackson, the starting uh, right guard. Those were two stalwarts of this offensive line. Andre James is going to have to prove that he is a um, worthy successor to Rodney Hudson. There might be a little bit of drop-off in play. I mean, Rodney Hudson's Rodney Hudson. But that doesn't mean that that fall-off is going to be monumental and that's going to be so such a drop off that it affects everything the Raiders do. I don't I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think Andre James is going to be perfectly fine as a starting center. I think that Denzel Good if he wins that right guard spot or maybe John Simpson um the second year player from Clemson wins that right guard spot along with Alex Leatherwood the right tackle we've been talking about this Alex Leatherwood's not replacing Trent Brown get that out of your head Alex or uh, Trent Brown played four games last year Alex Leatherwood is, uh, is 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 replacing Sam Young he's better than Sam Young right now than always that's an upgrade at right tackle because Trent Brown wasn't playing last year he played four games and he missed the last month of the previous year do we have Q Q, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I can't hear anything. Oh my god, he's cutting out, my man. This is this is crazy. Uh, All right, well that's okay. Um, I know that uh, uh, we'll 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 uh, whether it's later today or, or tomorrow, we'll get Q uh, in for his uh, is his weekly hit. But um, 
you know, I just keep seeing that seven win prediction. And I'm not a betting person whatsoever, but it sure is. If I was, man, that looks like a uh, an attractive bet on the other side of seven, the higher side uh, of seven. And you know, what? maybe that's what um, maybe that's what's behind this. And maybe maybe the people that are behind that projection are counting on skepticism reigning supreme across their clientele to side with them on that below seven, seven or below number. Secretly thinking that the Raiders can win more than um, seven games. Well, I don't know, but I just, I, I, you know, it's, it's just interesting to me because I look at this Raiders team and, and it didn't get worse to me. And if you're saying that the Raiders are going to win seven games last year after winning or this year after winning eight games last year, you're saying that they're going to be two games worse than they were last year. When in fact, to me, they got better. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Justin wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Justin? Hey, Vinny. I'm doing good. So I saw the, uh, the Devontae Adams news. I'm just trying to trying to make sure I understand the situation. So uh, he's was he saying he's leaving if, if Rodgers is leaving? Or am I getting that right? I don't. I didn't see him saying anything specific uh, to that. Like, uh, unless there was another interview that he did. Um, I think what he was saying uh, ducktailed off of what Derek Carr said over the weekend. And and let's preface that um, with with a little bit of um, perspective. Derek Carr was in Fresno, where he went to college along with Devonte uh, Adams, and was asked by a local Fresno reporter, TV reporter, at this function that they were at. Uh, somehow, some way, the name Devontae Adams came up uh, because, again, they were good friends, teammates on a really good Fresno State team. And Derek Carr, being the Fresno State Bulldog that he is and the good friend of Devontae Adams and understanding how good Devontae Adams is, said, man, basically, I would love to reunite with Devontae Adams. And, you know, uh, if, if he ever hit the open market, paraphrasing Derek, going to put the full court press uh, on him. Now, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the moment and it's, uh, you know, like I said, it was a local charity event for or in, in, in Fresno where they both went to school. So I'm sure he got, got kind of got swept up in the moment, was, you know, uh, given props uh, to, to Devontae. But I'm sure in the back of his head, Derek Carr's like, of course I want to play with Devontae Adams. Who wouldn't? He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So that happened over the weekend. And then Devontae Adams was asked, hey, did you hear what Derek said? What do you think about that? And, you know, he talked about how much he respects and loves Derek Carr and, you know, something along the lines of, man, a reunion would be pretty cool. But, you know, he also mentioned that, look, I'm a Packer right now. We'll see where that all heads. But And is he is he going to be a free agent coming up? Is that why the, the buzz got a little traction or would it be a trade scenario? No, no, no. He I mean, yeah, he's a free agent uh, after at the end oh, of this okay. at the end of this year. So it was along those kind of lines. Um, now, I've been around sports long enough. You've been a fan of sports long enough. Uh, that somehow, some way, certain things sometimes get talked into existence. I mean, how many times last year or two years ago when Kevin Durant was with the Golden State Warriors and they were barreling down toward another finals appearance, 
How much did we always hear that little smoke that was uh, <laughs> emulating right underneath the Golden State Warriors of Kevin Durant's out of here and don't be surprised if he teams up with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn, right? I mean, come on. Did we yeah, not hear yeah. that time and time again? And it just, so, you know, sometimes, you know, wishes come true, I guess. And so I, I think it was more along the lines of Derek having a little bit of fun and giving, you know, his one of his oh, best wow. friends some love. But at the same time, if Devontae Adams becomes a free agent, and oh, by the way, didn't mention this, the Raiders have $52 million under the salary cap last year, next year. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that if it got to that point, that the Raiders, at the behest of Derek Carr or just the common sense of adding a great player, you know, it might be somebody that you have to look at because that's a difference maker, right? Well, there's no doubt they would have to make him the highest paid receiver in, in the league if they did sign him. I, I don't think I don't think there's a question about that, but I, I would think a lot of the free agency money for next year would have to go to him, but I, I can't think of a receiver that had a stronger connection with Carr than Devontae, and he's obviously a top three receiver in the NFL right now. So, I mean, for sure it's a no-brainer, but we'll see what happens. I mean, like you said, like it, things like this do get spoken into existence, and if both sides are motivated enough, you, you know how Gruden is with those big-name free agents. I mean, I'm saying let's do it. Yeah, um, and like you said, he would have to probably be the highest-paid uh, wide receiver uh, in the NFL. I mean, there's a lot that's you know that goes into that. First of all, what kind of year is Henry Ruggs going to have? Maybe he makes that well, point. I, I think it starts with Rodgers, Vinny. Right? Like, like it kind of it's all dependent on that. I don't think he's going anywhere if Rodgers stays. Maybe. I mean, I, I hear you, um, but the Packers would also have to pay him too. I don't know what their salary cap situation looks like. They, you know, they've been a team that sometimes doesn't, you know, uh, they have a, sometimes have had a tendency to say, Hey, you know what? Um, that's okay. We'll, 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 we'll collect the, uh, the comp picks and, and move in a different direction. So, you know, it's, it, I, I, I agree that Aaron Rodgers is tied into it to some extent. But at the same time, money is going to come into it at, at some extent. Are the Packers going to be willing to pay Devontae Adams what his asking price is when it comes to that point? Are they even going to be in a position, you know, to, to pay him what he's going to command uh, out on the open market? Um, now, of course, if, if Aaron Rodgers is there and solidified, then, you know, Devontae Adams probably would prefer to stay in Green Bay because that gives him the best chance uh, to win. But we don't know that, number one. And, and again, um, and I'm going to look up the Packers' salary cap situation for 2022 real quick. Well, just... well I, know they, I know they just paid that running back, like Goo Goo Bucks, which was kind of a shocker to everybody paying a running back that much. So, And then I know they got the two Smith guys on the DN who are going to command a lot of money every year. So... You might, yeah, you might be onto something because they're—I mean—they're shelling out already forty million to Rogers every year, right? Well, uh, let's let's just uh, let's just uh, sum it up. This is an article written May twenty-sixth, and it was um, the Packers Wire, um, part of the USA Today network, and it looks like the Raider, the, the Packers, based on you know projections of what the salary cap's uh, going to look like next year, they are. $30 million over the 2022 salary cap season. I'm going to go, or our ceiling. I'm going to go to um, another site. Hold on real quick by uh, spot track. Um, as we're, as we're 
looking it over, looking things over. Hold on one second. 2020, 22. Yeah, they're negative $29 million right now off the projected cap of $208 million is what the uh, projected cap is going to be next year. Right now, as we... So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) I mean, if you're the Packers, well, let's look at it this way. The Raiders are $52 million under that projected cap. The Packers are $29 million over that cap. So they're going to have to get really creative in making that work. Now, one way to do that, and this probably would help any other team's chances of landing Devontae Adams, is perhaps move on from the quarterback, which opens up a whole set of other issues because if you're Devontae Adams, like you said, are, I mean... You, you, you want to stay if, if if Aaron Rodgers is there. Now, the money might come into play on that end of it. But if he's not there, you, you probably don't want to stay, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. And you got Lazard coming in as a as a real strong number two. I know they got a rookie receiver last year that looked pretty decent. So, I mean, they're not going to live up to, to Adams for sure. But, yeah, a lot of things that they got to balance there. And but again, I think I think that whole team is in the same situation that the Texans in the Texans are in. I mean, you know, we talk about football as a team sport, but it all starts with the quarterback. Let's be honest. So I think that's the big moving block that we got to wait and see what's going to happen. And I mean, if if you're in Devontae Adams' situation and your MVP quarterback is out of there, I mean, the team is still a playoff team without Rodgers. I think, but. You know, that, that's a big – I mean, and then Derek Carr sitting there waiting waiting to play with you, you know. So there, there's a lot of things he's got to consider. With a team sure. that has a whole bunch of money to spend, uh, yeah. you know. So yeah. – and, and look, yeah. if you're the Packers and it doesn't work out with Aaron Rodgers and I'm, I'm uh, dubious that it's going to, I'm not even talking about next year. I'm talking about this year. If you're the Packers at that point and and it just becomes inevitable or unavoidable that you have to walk away from Aaron Rodgers, don't at that point – don't you think that it's rebuild time? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they don't even know what they have in Jordan Love, right? I mean, I mean, at least they have the, the successor there, but how many snaps has that guy gotten since being there? And, and no, I, I totally agree with you. If you lose a player like that – I don't know, though. That, that defense is still pretty solid. I Well, here's the tough call if you're the Green Bay Packers, uh, and it's in complete contrast to a few years ago. And we all remember this is so much, there's so much deja vu going on right now for me. Because if you remember, there was always drama around Brett Favre, right? Right. I'm going to retire. I'm not going to retire. I've retired. Now I want to come back. And there was just a lot of confusion and drama over those last two years when he was with the Packers, right? And on one hand, the Packers were like, of course we want to keep bringing Brett Favre back. He puts us in the best possible position to win. But after a certain point, I think they had a really good idea of what they had in Aaron Rodgers. So at some point, they had the comfort level to say, all right, we don't necessarily want to part ways with Brett Favre, but we feel pretty good about this kid, Aaron Rodgers, that's sitting right behind him. So that that you know it made the move a lot easier to go ahead and, and, and go in a different direction. I don't think they have that comfort level with Jordan Love. And really, how can they? Um, it's only been one year, and it was a year where Jordan didn't play that much. It was a year where there was no real off-season program uh, for them to get an idea of where he was. It was a year where training camp was all kinds of 
messed up, weird compared to past training camps. So very, everything was in a, in warp speed by the time training camp happened last year that he probably wasn't able to get the kind of reps that in a normal training camp you might get as a young quarterback. So all of these things have, have worked against the Packers being able to have a really good read on Jordan Love. Now, Aaron Rodgers not being there during OTAs and minicamp gave them a pretty good uh, sample size to at least see Jordan Love theoretically as the starting quarterback because he was getting the starter snaps with the number one team during OTAs and minicamp and and, and all of that. Yeah, so, but I, I heard none of his receivers showed up. Did you, did you hear there that? There you go. That none of the ones and twos showed up at all? So yes. <laughs> right. What is the front office doing over there, man? Like... <laughs> I, I, I know. And normally that wouldn't be an issue because you've got Aaron Rodgers and he's coaching the darn thing at the line of scrimmage and you okay. know that he's going to get on the same page. That's going to be okay regardless of who showed up or didn't as far as the first wide receiver, second wide receivers, so on and so forth. Aaron Rodgers is going to get that thing in order when the time is right. But we don't know <laughs> if the time is ever going to be right again for him, at least in Green Bay. So you're right. While the Raiders were able, or the the Packers were able to get a good look at Jordan Love as the quasi number one quarterback for a period of time during OTAs, it certainly wasn't with the supporting cast that he would normally have. But it, at the very least, they got a bit of a, a, a much closer up uh, uh, close look at Jordan Love. But still, it's not enough. I don't believe for them to say, you know what? No. Yeah, it's time to move on from Aaron. We wish it didn't uh, have to be this way, but we're cool with Jordan Love. Just says, you know, we don't want to be moving on from Brett Favre, but we've got this guy by by the name of Aaron Rodgers who's been in the (laughs) background for, what, three years at that point, four years? Yeah. We feel pretty good. Uh, Yeah. Um, Now, let me me ask you, Vince. Say say all this unfolds in the Raiders' favor in which they are in a position to sign Adams, and you get Ruggs or you get Edwards coming out and having a breakout season, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, something crazy like that, where you, where you feel like you have a number one now. Do they still go after Adams and, and try and try and cash in on another one, number one receiver, or do you think they, they stick with their young talent and, and kind of go from there? Well, I think you could still stick with your young talent. Um, the good news is both of those players will be going into year three of their rookie contracts. They're still under control for the next three years, next year, the year after that, and the year after that on, well, for at least in Henry Ruggs's case, three years, uh, Brian Edwards for the next two years on his four year rookie deal as a sec, as a, uh, you know, picked where he was picked. So I think that you're actually, and, and I, I guess the thought there is, is take that money and sign a defensive superstar. I guess if Ruggs or Edwards looks the part where, where you feel comfortable trotting them out there as as your number one? No question about it. No question about it. That's you know I'd have to look to see what the free agents um, look like in twenty twenty two for for defensive players. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and maybe there's a way with fifty two million dollars, and and I'm sure they're going to be able to um, you know probably get even more under the cap, and maybe that cap goes up. Um, the the cap projection actually goes up from the $208 million that it's projected to be. So that would give them even more room to work with that. Maybe you can do both. You can, you can bring in a, a, a defensive player, but also, uh, you know, somebody like a Devonte Adams, uh, a premier offensive player. I just know that. I mean, he's really good. That's the thing. He's a really, really, really good wide receiver and a difference maker. And you add him 
to a Henry Ruggs, to a Darren Waller, uh, to maybe a Brian Edwards, you know, if he breaks out. Um, you Hunter Renfro uh, is still in that picture, obviously. But imagine, you know, let's say, let's say, let's say Brian Edwards moves forward and Henry Ruggs moves forward in a good way. Then you add Devontae Adams to that. With, with the existing connection that him and Carr already have, yeah, it, it would be it'd be deadly. But hey, I'm gonna let these other callers get on. Thanks for chatting with me, Vin. It's always a good time, man. All right, brother. Thank you very much. Uh, always enjoy talking to uh, to Justin. He knows his football. He knows his Raiders football. And um, you know, it's it's look, it's that time of year. Uh, there's another month before training camp starts or so. Uh, you know, Derek Carr said what he said about Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams returned the love in a big way. Uh, so it's fun to kind of speculate about could that actually happen? I'm with Justin, especially if Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards really push forward this year. Uh, that $52 million under the cap, you would think there's still going to be some more uh, defensive needs that, that need to be addressed. But, hey, the defense can – can change that narrative as well, too. What if Unique Ngakwe and that defensive line really get things in order and Cleve Farrell takes another big step forward and Max Crosby does as well, uh, and you, you feel good about where you are as a defensive line? And if Corey Littleton and Kwiatkowski and Nicholas Morrow uh, and the young linebackers behind them uh, can can start creating a comfort level and a confidence level among Raider decision-makers, and then, you know, obviously – the young safety in Trayvon Morag, maybe Jonathan Abram uh, steps steps it up, or Tyree Gillespie shows enough behind him to to be the heir apparent at that position, uh, and Trayvon Mullen plays well. I know those are are, are a lot of ifs, but um, you know they the defense can create a lot more of a comfort level in terms of hey maybe don't need to go out and break the bank on another defensive player, uh, but it, but that'll define itself uh, obviously. I do think probably when we, it gets right down to it, and a lot of this rests on uh, Damon Arnett, a lot of this rests on Trayvon Mullen, those two players really need to it's, – it's in their hands to be able to tell the Raiders, look, you don't need to worry about cornerback. We've got this thing locked down. Uh, Casey Hayward, if Casey Hayward beats out Damon Arnett and Damon Arnett doesn't really get a chance uh, to get on the field in a consistent way as a starter – that's going to create, if you're the Raiders, a little bit of anxiety. Now you could try to dip back into the draft next year uh, to bring in a younger guy because Casey Hayward's getting long in the tooth. He's probably going to be here for a year, maybe, maybe two. Or you know, do you go out on the free agent market and bring in a premier cornerback in that scenario? Possibly. Another pass rusher, possibly. But like, like, like we've been saying, you know, Unique Ngakwe is going to be here a minimum of two years. Cleve Farrell, Max Crosby, the guys that they have on the defensive line, are they going to create enough of a comfort level to say, um, you know, we, we got this covered? I think an area, if you if we're talking about 2022, an area that the Raiders could really look to in terms of free agency is the interior of the defensive line. Let's just say you know, the combination of Ngakwe and Cleve Farrell and Max Crosby, a young Malcolm Kuntz, uh, Carl Nassib coming off the bench, that you feel pretty good about where you are in that defensive end rotation. I think if you're going to start looking defensively next year, I think depending on what happens with Damon Arnett and to some extent Trayvon Mullen, cornerback, 
also, you know, Jonathan Hankins is back on a one-year deal. Quentin Jefferson, Darius Phylon, Solomon Thomas, those are all one-year deals. They're, I'm going to look uh, in the break to see what that defensive line population looks like. Uh, but if the Raiders can use some of that money to go out and get just a premier space-eating dominating type of an interior defensive lineman to add to Yannick Ngagwe, to add to, you know, um, uh, excuse, yeah, Max Crosby and, and Cleve Farrell. Maybe that's the direction that you go in defensively. Uh, but, again, it's it's all predicated on what happens this year. There's so many fascinating subplots. I think the Raiders are much better in a, and in a better position to be able to be true and legitimate playoff contenders. Um, I'd be shocked if they got to a similar point in the season at six and three or six and four or seven and three or whatever the case might be. And all of a sudden uh, the roof caves in on them and the floor (laughs) just opens up and they, they drop into another, you know, uh, you know what (laughs) second half of the season. I don't, I don't see that happening short of major injuries occurring and that's always a possibility i think that they're going to be in a bit better position to avoid that to manage this schedule to manage the necessary wins that they need to really knock on that door of the playoffs but that doesn't mean of course that whatever they do that there's not going to be areas that they're looking at throughout the year saying next year we're going to get be- we need to get better at this position next year we need to shore up that position and that interior defensive line cornerback depending on what goes on with the young guys uh, I think those are areas that they're going to be keeping a major eye on and I think Jonathan Abram and that still that safety population is something that they're going to be keeping an eye on as well you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM now back to your host Vinny Bonsignor We're going to go right back out to the Raider Nation listener line, and Raider Dave is in Denver. How you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, I think the rest of the country is getting all the heat that just finally took off from Vegas. They're just now figuring out. But uh, it is pretty bad in <laughs> Portland, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's astoundingly so. Like, I'm scratching my head. Um at what's going on, but uh, I'm not a scientist. Uh, I yeah, try to listen to what the scientists say, unlike some well, people, I guess. But well, I we are sports prognosticators, and yes. we take the good with the bad. And one of the things that I forgot to mention the other day when I was talking about the schedule is the Raiders are one of those lucky teams that got nine home games this year. But you have to add the L.A. Chargers game. That's probably the quickest sellout that the Chargers have because all of Raider Nation jumps on those tickets. So the Raiders are actually in a position this year to have 10 home games. And so when the other talking heads want to say they're only going to win seven, you just have to laugh. I mean, you and and Justin point out a lot of things about the offense is so much better. Um, The the biggest thing last year that the Raiders back, not only kick a field goal, play drives how tired is your offensive line which was patchwork then and now they have a younger line so jacobs being you know getting the ball inside the five he's going to pound it a couple times there's nobody else that size maybe in gold but now they have drake so jacobs should be fresher uh hopefully a little bit better return game 
And what we're starting to talk about is the fact that the Raiders won't have to go so far all the time. And some of those 12-play drives were engineered because offense was the best defense last year. Yeah, and I'm glad you you brought up a couple of great points. Number one, the last one was don't think for a second that John Gruden wasn't coaching continually, day after day, play after play, game after game, understanding what he was dealing with with his defense. Everything that the Raiders did offensively, he was thinking about his defense on the other side of his brain. He he knew that he was coaching around the defense. It was it is what it is. Sometimes you have to do that. We've talked a lot, uh, Raider Dave, about coaching to your strengths and coaching around your weaknesses. There were the 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 nature in which he called plays. There were uh, many many times was was with that defense in mind, and uh, I think we all. And I think the Miami game was one decision that proves that. And the fact is, he didn't want to go for fourth and goal and leave the ball at the 99, or, you know, with 99 yards to go. You know, he decided to go ahead and kick a field goal and have a, a lead that would get eclipsed by a TD and give the ball back to him at the 25. You know, with a touchback. And, nope. and I think that decision solely shows exactly the mindset that you're saying he has. Well, because just a few weeks before they had done the opposite against the Kansas city chiefs and left too much time on the clock uh, for right. the Kansas city chiefs, even though they scored the touchdown to get the most and you know, points. The interesting thing about that, if you rewatch that, it was penalties uh, that ended up kicking that clock to where it would not get to the two minute warning where they wouldn't be able to, to uh, burn off some time. And it saved the timeout for the chiefs. So that was one of the things that I think was, you know, some of those inside the lines, kind of uh, coach speak that people probably didn't realize. They got real close to having maybe only 37 seconds to give the Chiefs, but it ended up being a lot more than that, and that's what, that ended up hurting them. No question about it. I remember the penalty that you're talking uh, about. The other point that you made about the 10 home games for the Raiders, when, if we're being honest, that game over at SoFi Stadium uh, in October on a Monday night, October 4th, is going to be a Raider home game. Let's not kid ourselves. But what's even worse for the Chargers is that's not going to be the only time this year that that's going to be the case. Now, it's probably not going to be as dramatic and drastic as it will be when they play the Raiders. That's going to be a Raider home crowd like you don't believe, right? But Absolutely. You want to look at the – if you and I was just talking to somebody in the NFL uh, about this today, this morning actually. Look at the Chargers' schedule at home. And in a way, they caught a break because they're going to sell plenty of tickets. But in another way, they don't because when you look at the teams that they play, I'm going to read them off to you right now. It is going to be a home crowd for so many visiting teams for uh, the, the the Chargers who have rabid fan bases, not just nationally. Mm-hmm. But in Southern California, all right? Because I lived in Southern California. I know there's pockets. There's so many people that have moved from wherever, Cleveland. And uh, just listen to the names that I'm, the, the brands that are, and fan bases that I'm going to be mentioning here in just a second. Obviously, the Raiders. That's, you know, that's number one. Right. And I think there's a big reason for that. I think they, they made the schedule that way because they did not sell many pre PSLs or pre No this was this was all predestined this had nothing yes. to do with any planning the, these schedules are done years in advance 
Uh, you know which division you're going to play and how that's all going to work. Who yeah, you're going to? They can select home games versus those. And no, I, no, 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 no. That's right. All... Bringing in that they've got big dogs coming in, and those will sell more tickets, and that'll help the Chargers catch up for Cronkie. Yeah, but uh, that's not on the team. That's all through the NFL. They they, they decide all of that. And listen to the schedule, and I'm about ready to. to okay, we obviously know. The Raiders are going to be, that's going to be a home uh, crowd for the Raiders at SoFi Stadium. The Dallas Cowboys play the uh, Raiders or the Chargers uh, at SoFi Stadium September 19th. I know from experience living in Southern California, Dallas Cowboys have a huge following in Southern California, let alone the fans in Arizona for the Cowboy fans, everywhere else. And from Dallas too, making a trip to Los Angeles, get some sun and fun. Uh, in but LA, they still that's an Oxnard once in a while. They still do. They used to practice in Thousand Oaks for years on years and years, and then they went to Oxnard. So they have a Southern California foothold. And there's a lot of Cowboy fans uh, in that area. Okay, the Cleveland Browns this year in particular, with the Cleveland Browns being talked about as a potential Super yeah, Bowl the team, new, the Cleveland the Cinderella. You know how many Cleveland Brown fans live in the uh, Southern California area? All those. Cleveland people that moved from Cleveland to, to Southern California, all the fans from Cleveland that are going to make that trip uh, and, and Cleveland Brown fans from around the country, that's going to be a home crowd for the Cleveland Browns. All right. The Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings yep. travel. Trust me when I say that. I've seen away games for the Vikings, whether it was against the Rams at the Coliseum uh, or the Chargers uh, in, 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 in Carson or in San Diego. The Vikings are going to, that's going to be a home game for the Vikings. It's probably going to be like a 70 30 kind of a split. I think the I Raiders are going to be 80 20, 90 10. Uh, but the, everything else that I talk about is going to be at least 70 30 for the opposing team. The Patriots, the New England Patriots, big time, come into yep. SoFi Stadium. The Pittsburgh Steelers go to. Oh, they travel well. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I've I've been in San Diego when the when Steeler, when Steeler fans took over Jack Murphy Stadium. It was crazy, insane. It's going to happen again. And those were those were years where the, the the Chargers were huge in San Diego. But nevertheless, I've seen Jack Murphy Stadium get taken over by the Green Bay Packers. I've seen them getting taken got, get taken over uh, by by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's that's with real Charger fans in San Diego, of which there are not that many in Los Angeles. So the Steelers... Yeah, junior Seau days, and they were still not... Uh, not right. So that game is going to be a decidedly home game for the Steelers. The New York Giants visit SoFi Stadium this year. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Against the Chargers. And, and I have to continually remind people the problem is it's not just like that when they were in San Diego where sometimes Charger fans would sell their tickets to to uh, recoup their investment in order to pay for their tickets for next year and understandably so that's that's I don't I don't mind that you know from time to time fans doing that this is literally the Chargers in Los Angeles where there isn't that huge pocket of fans that they had for themselves in San Diego this is just single tickets being bought Big time by by Steeler fans, Cowboys fans, Giants fans, Vikings fans, Browns fans. It's it's really Kansas City. When Kansas City goes to Los Angeles, that's going to be a Chiefs uh, home game. I I just I feel bad for the Chargers. I think this ultimately helps the Raiders a little bit because they're one of their one of their big rivals, a team that's 
pretty darn good on paper, um, is going to be at a distinct disadvantage even at home because the crowd's going to turn on them. That's going to help the Raiders. It's going to help the Denver Broncos. It's going to help the Kansas City Chiefs in the long run because while they're playing eight home game or eight road games this year, the the Chargers are literally going to be playing about seventeen road games this year. It's just, it's 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 really um, yeah, it's pretty daunting actually. And if you look at uh, the games that all the AFC West has to play, and you put that the Raiders in that cusp of on the fence, off the fence, didn't make the playoffs. But they have teams that are they're going to have to play that did make the playoffs. Well, if you look at all the uh, standings of where those teams were and how many games that they won, you know whether it was their own division or, or whatever or interconference play, you have to really look at where those teams are and how they advanced this year. And I don't know that they made as many good moves as the Raiders have as the Indakwe with Drake. And they've got a young defense being solidified by a new coach. I really think that the Raiders have jumped forward a little bit more than some of those lower-end playoff teams that they're going to have to match up against. I agree. I agree. And, and you know, you look at a team like the Colts, and I appreciate the call, um, uh, Raider you Dave. Thank, thank you very much. Um, the Colts, I don't know, you know, is Carson Wentz, you know, ready to, to, to return to his past form, and, and, and is that going to take hold? What if it doesn't? That's not good news for the Colts, and all of a sudden they're a team that was in the playoffs last year. The Raiders play the Colts, but they're not as good as they were uh, a year ago because they regressed at quarterback, potentially. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Joe is on line two, wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, Joe? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I want to talk about John Gruden, but briefly, you know, you talked about Jack Murphy Stadium. I mean, as the previous caller mentioned, even in their heyday when Junior Seahaw was on the team, the Raiders took over, and that was their home turf. So why would they expect anything to be different coming to L.A.? Because all the Raider fans would just take over that whole stadium, as many other uh, teams do. I mean, it was, it's incredible. It was like a home game for the Raiders. Not only do uh, they, not only do they think that that's not going to be the case, they're very worried about. They, they, they let's put it this way: they've resigned themselves to the fact that it's going to be a Raiders home crowd. Worse, uh, Joe, is that it's going to be a home crowd for the Steelers, the Giants, the Patriots, the Chiefs, um, you know, the the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, it's it's going to be that drastic because you know there were times again where I saw the Packers play in San Diego, I saw the Steelers play in San Diego, and they were their fans took over Jack Murphy Stadium. And that was the Steelers and, you know, uh, the the Packers. We're not even talking about the Raiders who always do that. Um, And that's with a lot of San Diego Charger fans there, you know, in San Diego. They don't have that base, that foundation in Los Angeles. So there's going to be games where we're talking 70, 30, 80, 20 of opposing fans. And that's got to be difficult for the Chargers. It's going to have some sort of an effect, don't you think? Oh, definitely. And and the interesting part of you know, what you said, too, is that they have my records of when I purchased tickets, and it would only be when the Raiders were in town. So they often solicit me with the notion that I could buy my Raider tickets in hopes that I buy season tickets and sell them off. I mean, that's how desperate they become. And their selling point to me was – you get to watch great NFL teams come to SoFi Stadium. They're not advertising themselves. That's what that, 
That's, yeah. the, that's the Chargers. They I know. call me knowing that every ticket that I bought from them was when the Raiders were in town. Yeah, you know, are you talking about? Are you talking about right now? Are you talking about right now? Yes. Or okay, yes. yeah. I got a, about less than a few months ago. I, I got emails and solicitation calls about trying to convince me to buy season tickets to see great NFL teams play at SoFi Stadium against the Chargers, and obviously they know I'm a Raider fan. You know who used to do that? The Clippers. Who? The Clippers oh, would always oh, do that. Yeah, yeah. The Clippers yeah. would take full-page ads out, like in the L.A. Times and the area newspapers, and say, come see Larry Bird. <laughs> come see Dominic Wilkins. You know, it wasn't even, well, who's on your team? <laughs> well, we don't need to talk about that. But, you know, uh, the Pistons are coming to town once a year. Get your ticket. And it's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the situation. And, you know, um, I, I have to say this, you know, throughout the whole pursuit of los angeles whether it was the chargers or the raiders um you know and, and that and, broke my heart when they didn't come the raiders you know how you yeah. don't know how devastated i was yeah no i i can imagine and uh you know my, my my point is you know uh chasing that story covering that story i honestly did get to meet a lot of great people from all three teams and um i can honestly say this they're all good people and they ha- all had earnest um objectives uh i think all at least two of those teams, their preference was to stay put. That's where they wanted it uh, to work. But for reasons that in a lot of cases were out of their control, it just wasn't going to happen in Oakland. It just wasn't going to happen in San Diego. And I always believed that no matter where the Raiders landed, they were going to be fine, especially yeah, now here. Land in Mars. Yeah, especially now here in uh, you know Las Vegas. I really appreciate the call, uh, Joe. Thanks so much. Um, the Raiders were going to be fine, and they found the perfect landing spot here in Las Vegas. They get their own stadium. Uh, they, they're in a great location for their Bay Area fans to stay on board, for their Southern California fans to stay on board. There's Raider fans in Arizona, I know, because I see the listening uh, numbers, um, You know, whether it's our podcast or, or, or the show. Uh, you get a sense of where listeners are, are coming in from. Um, and then, so, so they're in a great spot. And obviously the Rams coming back to Los Angeles, that was always going to work. They still needed to do some work to reclaim their prominence in Los Angeles. Over time, I think they will. The problem was for the Chargers, and it wasn't going to work out there in San Diego. That's obvious. But they had kind of wasted their time in the 20 years where there was no NFL to the north of them in Los Angeles. They didn't do a good enough job cultivating that market um, whether it was even just to stay and be a regional team in San Diego and have a bunch of fans from Orange County and Los Angeles uh, being part of their uh, crew, they just didn't do it. So then by the time they went to Los Angeles, it's just we see what's going on. I uh, just want to say thanks to Jared, uh, our great producer, for um, uh, holding things down here at uh, in, in home base. I want to say thanks to the callers. Uh, obviously, Q Myers will get will get back to you hopefully tomorrow. Uh, thanks to Jesse Merrick from Channel 3 in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, and, of course, thanks to all the callers. Thanks to Embodor Tequila, our great uh, uh, sponsor. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embodor.